This is Faithful Sayings, broadcast by the Leon Valley Church of Christ. Well, thanks for tuning in. We're back in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 this time. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 1. Guard your steps as you go to the house of God and draw near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know they are doing evil. So we've been moving through the chapters more or less, not on a verse-by-verse basis, but just capturing a few big ideas from each text. And what Solomon has done and continues to do is to show us what it true what truly matters in relating his experiences to us. So his experiences were not inspired, but what he has to say about them is. And at this point, we've seen him deal with wealth and women, which I'm using as a euphemism for pleasure or sex. Remember, he had all sorts of slaves and dancers and anyways, people just specifically for that purpose. Um, He's dealing with wisdom or secular knowledge. He uses wisdom in a couple of different senses, I believe, in the book of Ecclesiastes. And also work, uh, just labor, labor under the sun. And what he's done is he's deconstructed each of these and shown how they are futile and pursuing them as ends in of themselves is futility. It's it's vanity. And when you try to enjoy those things apart from God or in place of God, they're meaningless. And he'll deal with materialism in chapter five. Really he, he keeps circling these uh these these major themes in the context of his major themes of the certainty of death and the march of time and the randomness of life. Uh, so, th- and this is in chapter five will be the most time that he's given to the subject since the beginning of the book, uh, as he draws closer to his ultimate conclusion, fear God and keep his commands, which, you know, as we noted a couple of weeks ago, if you pay attention, I think that actually that point emerges m- many times in the book uh, throughout the chapters as he's addressing each of these um, these things that, that people pursue and give their lives to. And he he incorporates more and more of that kind of instruction. So let's start uh, today with what he has to say about proper and reverent worship, because chapter 5 begins that way, as we saw, walk prudently when you go to the house of God. So Solomon, he's he's honing in on a man's paramount concern and he's reminding us that true worthwhile wisdom means honoring God whatever you do in this life show care and think about and be considerate as you honor God and do that on his his terms think about the consequences of seeking him and refusing to seek him uh, I like this quote from a guy named Alexander McLaren He says that fruitful and acceptable worship begins before it begins. And I think Solomon's father, David, would agree. He said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord in Psalm 122 and verse 1. So David was glad before he went to worship. It was something that he desired and he had determined to do. And Solomon says, draw near to hear rather than to give 
a sacrifice of fools. And, you know, if you read the Bible with any regularity and you're familiar with, you know, the, the, the euphemisms that are, that are there when it says here, it doesn't have, you know, just the idea of the sense of that you're, that you heard something right in Hebrew in, in the way that Jesus uses it, you know, he who has ears to hear, let him hear it. it you know, it's the double meaning of to pay attention to, right? Not only do you hear what's being said, but you're actually paying attention to it with the intention to obey it, right? With the intention to apply it. So it has that double or triple force in Hebrew, if you if you will. So when Solomon is saying, draw near to hear, we know what that, what that means. He's saying, come near with a submissive attitude. Come near with the intention to to learn from from God. Uh, and sometimes that word actually is just simply rendered obey instead of instead of hear. As Samuel said to Saul, to obey is better than sacrifice. But your Bible probably is going to say, I think most translations probably say to hear is, is better than sacrifice. Uh, or at least that's what the literal word is. So we can worship acceptably only when we draw near in reverent submission. And then in that same verse Solomon will make a contrast right he'll say that the sacrifice of fools um that don't you know don't offer the sacrifice of fools they don't know what they're doing they don't know that they're doing evil is what he says at the end of verse 1 and so as he's he's discussed foolishness of course before in Ecclesiastes but also in in the book of Proverbs and he says that the the it, he, foolishness, drawing near and foolishness is marked by this behavior of what he calls being rash with your mouth. So to demonstrate the reverence scripture is calling for means, again, don't just unthinkingly show up. Don't just uh, inconsiderately, you know, just put yourself there and think it genuine worship is going to take care of itself or genuine hearing or listening and obedience is going to take care of itself. The idea is be intentional, be be reverent. Verse 2 continues, For God is in heaven, and you are on earth, therefore let your words be few. I'm sure you recognize this passage. You've probably heard it many times before from the book of James chapter 1. Right, Every man must be slow to speak, right, slow to anger and quick to, to listen. And, you know, James, I think in the context is just talking there about being acceptable in in every facet of of life and I mean applying that to all of our speech but I think here in the context you know that Solomon's talking about worship and certainly that principle can and should be applied to to prayer today even you know when James is even though James is may not be specifically applying it in that regard it certainly can be you know the the priest of Baal prayed hard and long on Mount Carmel. You remember that that scene in First Kings eighteen, where Elijah, you know, he comes with this challenge, and you know the 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 prophets of Baal and Elijah build these huge altars and the animals there, and and uh, the the false prophets are are praying and cutting themselves and doing all all these sorts of things for hours, apparently, and nothing happens, and of course Elijah says one prayer and God heard and beautifully answered and the entire scene, you know, the, the, the sacrifice, the rocks, the, 
wood, the water that's around the altar is just all burned up immediately. And uh, I think that that's a powerful illustration of what, you know, Solomon is talking about here, you know, this, what, what is genuinely effective and what is meaningful to God is, you know, words that, that we mean, even though there's just a few, like Elijah, he prayed. So, you know, just a short prayer and he wasn't praying for hours. And yet look at the results. So there's a quote from John Trapp that goes, it's not the labor of the lips, but the travail of the heart that prevails with God. Uh, so certainly we, you know, it, it, we want to, you know, all worship has a, a physical expression in, in the new Testament that, you know, that God defines whether it's musical or, uh, you know, in, in prayer or, uh, partaking of the Lord's suppers, remember the Lord and, you know, whatever the, the case may be, but we don't want to forget that, um, we have to mean what we say in, in all things and, and meaning what you say, I think involves, as Solomon says here, being considerate, be selective, let your words be few because it's, you know, it's not by multiplying words that, you know, you, you gain favor with God or a prayer becomes more um, uh, effective. You know, Jesus said it this way, when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words in Matthew 6 and verse 7. And I think Solomon is, is really re- reiterating that uh, principle in, in so many ways. In verse 3, he continues, a dream comes through much activity and a fool's voice is known by his many words. So I think the idea there is as personal and business activities produce dreams or, you know, unsubstantial things. In other words, many words produce foolish and empty, any empty prayers and, and worship. And that's the, and it's one of the marks of foolishness. Uh, it's a red flag. And so it becomes a, a marker which by we can evaluate ourselves. Uh, you know, why do we, and it, and it's, it, don't misunderstand. There's nothing wrong with saying uh, a long prayer. That's not the point or that, or if, or when you pray, you do use a lot of words, right? Jesus prayed all night long in one, one instance before he chose his disciples. So, you know, the point is not like, is not that many words, bad, few words, good, but, but rather that's often a reflection of, you know, what's going on in our heart and, these passages I think are meant to challenge us and cause us to ask ourselves, well, why, why am I saying what I'm saying? Why, or why would I multiply words? You know, is what am I, is it because I want to say something substantive or I really have that much on my heart that I'm wanting to lay at God's feet or is it because I'm trying to impress people? So next Solomon focuses specifically on vows, you know, something which, in the New Covenant, Christians are not required to make, uh, but there are, I think, some principles here that are still valuable. Jesus tells us, of course, the best action to take in his kingdom is Matthew 5.34. I said, you don't swear at all. And, and and then, you know, it's repeated later in James as well in James chapter 5 and verse 12. And he says it's best not to make uh, vows so we don't fall into to judgment. So we're to simply say yes or no, right? Remember that teaching Jesus gives, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything more than this comes from the the evil one. So just simply 
mean what you say, but you consider it before be ahead of time and and uh, follow through with what your word is. The point is, I believe, if we're honest, you don't need to make an oath. You don't need to make a vow. Uh, you because your honesty as a person binds you to what you say, binds you to your words. Uh, but nevertheless, Solomon says in verses four and five, when you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it. It would be better not to vow than to vow and not pay. So that's can be applied to so many different things in life. And as we're thinking here spiritually and in matters concerning religion and worship, I think that these words can also be fairly applied to the Christian's commitment to Christ or or the disciples' commitment to following Christ. Peter says that it would be better when he's talking about um, false teachers who have fallen away and they're seeking to drag others away also. He says it would be better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn away from the holy commandment handed on handed on to them. And so when one submits to Christ in obedience, one of the ways Jesus described that action and that decision as putting your hand to the, the plow in Luke chapter 9 and verse 62. And what he says there specifically is that no one who puts his hand to the plow and looking back is worthy of worthy of the kingdom. And so that's a you know, that's not letting your yes be yes and your no be no, right? If you're going to say yes to, to Christ and you're going to submit to following him, you know, that that entails all the, the sacrifice and commitment that's involved in, in in following him and saying yes to those things. Right? You're I guess you could say you're effectively valuing. You're not saying I vow or I swear or, or you know, you're not articulating in that way. But, you know, in the New Testament, when one determines to follow Christ, that is a you're, you're entering into a covenant with him. Right. Which is another way of saying you're entering into a, an agreement, a relationship, a promise with him. And he does not take broken promises lightly. Don't break your word to him. He's never taken that lie. He never. You, it's always mattered to him. And so I think these lessons, you know, are just as relevant from Solomon today as they they were in his time. And I, there's a whole lot of overlap here with what we find in in the New Covenant. Solomon wants us to understand that vows. I think Old Covenant vows, you know, are are illustrative of. New covenant faithfulness, right? You know, don't don't be quick to make a vow to God. Be diligent in fulfilling vows made. You know, keep keep your word as we've seen, and regard broken vows as sin that need to be repented of when you break your word. Uh, in the new covenant, right? You've you've been dishonest, and so you you think about those principles that he's laying down here. You think about principles regarding worship and. Uh, being drawing near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools, you know, which of those principles can be applied to new covenant faithfulness. So we come full circle to Solomon's conclusion again is fear God. In fact, that's what he says in verse seven. And so the, the solution here is reverence and um, to honor God in, in all things. Each of us has to make that determination. If we find ourselves lackadaisical about spiritual things and worship and serving others and prayer, and the problem 
is within us uh, personally. It means I have not drawn near to listen or with the intention to uh, listen. I, I have not discerned my purpose in, in this life or I've forgotten it because I've forgotten God. And so a search for meaning and purpose in this life begins and ends with reverence for God. You want to know who you are, why you're here, you draw near to listen. And so reverence for God is its not a foregone conclusion. It has to be taught. I think it has to be valued and it has to be cultivated by God himself. And the only way that he does that or, or will accomplish that in us is when we are willing and we approach him on, on his terms and with the proper attitude. Uh, so that's what I have for today. And next time, you know, as I, I mentioned from the outset that Ecclesiastes chapter five, Paul, excuse me, Solomon will discuss uh, materialism and greed again, but that's in the latter half of the, the chapter where we're about where we stopped and, you know, around verses eight and, and following. So we'll pick up there uh, next time. And again, I thank you for, for tuning in.